Hello, Breakthrough listeners. It's time to embark on your journey towards mastering the infinite banking concept. Ascendant Financial is Canada's gold standard for guiding you every step of the way on your journey of becoming your own banker. Visit mybankersvault.com to purchase our show-stopping package and receive your free wealth accelerator. More money, more control, and fewer taxes await you. Discover the advantages of having ready access to money on demand precisely when you need it to seize high-caliber opportunities with confidence and to watch your wealth soar. Visit mybankersvault.com. Again, that's mybankersvault.com. Tired of the nine to five? Tired of only dreaming about the things you want to do? Want to have more time for your family? More time for you? More time for you? This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we interview qualified guests in the real estate industry all across Canada. We want you to live life on your terms, and we want to help you break through to that life through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. Now your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Super excited for this episode today. Um, and as usual, here with me again is Mr. Sandy McKay. How's it going, Sandy? Rob, doing great. Excited for this one. This is an interesting topic today. I'm really looking forward to it. What's new with you? What's new with me? Great question. Um, not that much this time. Not that much. We've shared <laughs> a lot. The last couple episodes, we've shared a lot about ourselves. So, uh, Nothing much new. <laughs> Nothing much new. Getting ready for some, uh, some summer stuff. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna send Sandy like a, a note before the show to say, "Hey, prep like one thing you can say." Yeah. Going. <laughs> so, <laughs> couple exciting things here. I'll give you one thing. We are doing. Uh, we're doing. We haven't done this. I know you do these. <clears throat> we haven't done property tours of any kind for like since pre-COVID. So we're getting back into some of that this summer, uh, which w- you and I might collaborate around uh, even. And uh, so with, right. our, with our Vaughn Investors Club, we're going to do a couple of those over the course of summer. So um, by the time this airs, I think if anyone uh, is interested in that, they can certainly reach out or check out VaughnInvestorsClub.com and we can uh, get them linked up and we're going to do some uh, some tours east and west of the GTA. So uh, some fun stuff to come in July and August. Yeah, and we're doing property tours in Peterborough, probably once a month, I'd say. Uh, we were going to try for about every three weeks, but I think once a month is is what we'll end up doing. Um, we've done a couple already uh, and they've went well. So, you know, you'll see when you sign up at breakthroughreipodcast.ca and get our free gift, you'll be able to get on our mailing list and get updated with all this stuff. Right, Sandy? That's it. You'll get the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. And of course, yeah, never miss out on any of that stuff that we got going on. And uh, including the Costa Rica tours, even when you do those. Um, at least you've I, I did do, yeah, I did do one. We had, what was it? Uh, 13 investors from Durham REI come out and that was amazing. I think we'll probably try to do another one in November, but uh, still up in the air right now. And I'll, I'll keep you posted, obviously. Um, as well, everybody knows, go over to iTunes and if you haven't done it, please leave us a rating and review. It helps every, it helps this show get into the ears of more people who want to hear stuff like what we're doing. So please go over and do that if you haven't. And I know that maybe this sounds like 
like you're, you're just so used to hearing me say this, but I know there's people that have been listening to this show for quite some time that still haven't went over and done that. And I think that, you know, don't just take this as something you hear me saying every time. Go over, leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what kind of guests you want to hear, what kind of topics we should cover. Sandy and I, they're going to be out soon. Well, probably at the time that people hear this, they'll be out. But you and I just did uh, two episodes on our biggest challenges that we've had over the years. That was fun. Yeah, there was lots of good stuff in there. It was, we were long overdue for that, I think. Um, we did a bunch of those. We've been going for almost 10 years here, right? So there's a bunch of those at the start, and then we kind of fizzle off on sharing a lot of our own stories. So hopefully, for those of you listening to this, you would have probably listened to those already. If you haven't, go back and check them out because they're the most recent ones uh, back-to-back. A couple yeah. hours worth of, uh, <clears throat> of good personal shares there. Mostly mostly losses, actually. Mostly challenges. Well, challenges that we turned into wins. Let's, let's call it that. Not Definitely. Really losses. Learning lessons. Anyway, I think that's it. We should get to our guest. I'm really Let's excited. Do Let's do it. We've got Tamara Hirsch standing by here. Uh, welcome to the show, Tamara. Thank you, Sandy. Pleasure to be here. Welcome. Yes. Hi, Rob. And super excited to have you on here because we're talking talking about um, some really interesting stuff today. Tamara has had a successful 20 plus years designing, building executive vacation homes. Uh, she's done work all across uh, the uh, what do we call that? Lower mainland or Whistler, at least British Columbia. Uh, and also in areas across Canada, really British Columbia, Whistler, Muskoka. Um, she was leading the way of the major rebrand and restructuring of Hirsch log homes, which is, um, which is still active. I believe still active across Muskoka. It sure is. Yeah. Still active across Muskoka, multi-million dollar award-winning log and timber frame homes in Muskoka. I should say that. And, Eight years ago, I had a chance encounter with um, a reef fish. Sounds like an interesting story. Um, and Tamara contracted a, a neurotoxin disease. So like many other Canadians, using conventional opioid for pharmaceuticals for chronic pain, she was introduced to cannabis, which became the catalyst for a radical career evolution. So through all that, found out uh, some cool opportunities and I started developing let me read this properly. Found medical value and evolve her business. Sorry, her design, build skills in developing award-winning medical clinics and a chain of successful boutique retail stores. Correct. Yeah, it's called today, the Pacific Life. Yeah. And today, Tamara has settled on the shores of Gold Coast of Guanacaste, Costa Rica, Rob's neighbor, and her current real estate projects involve multi unit commercial development and renovation of restaurant lounge and upscale boutique hotels. So super interesting stuff there. I think uh, there's a lot to get to. I don't know. I don't know how much we can cram in, in the yeah. time that we have, but we're going to try. <clears throat> so again, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I mean, yeah, there's so much, diverse. there's so much that we have to go through. And um, I don't know, for those of you watching, you can see that this isn't my place. I'm having some work done at my house and Tamara lives across the road from me in Costa Rica. So I came in and I hijacked her living room and now she's been, you know, abolished to the outdoors <laughs> so that we could do the show here together today. So I really want to thank you for that. Oh, I'm totally happy to be outside and get me away from my desk. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, we, we want to begin? 
Yeah, we want to start the way that we always do really is just get a little background, right? Understand how you got interested in real estate in the first place and, mm-hmm. and you know, sort of your path on how you started out. Okay. Um, finishing college, I went to school for advertising and marketing and um, went to Whistler after school um, to learn how to snowboard, really. Got a pretty cool advertising job at the Whistler Question, which is um, their their newspaper there. So it's feeling pretty happy, but like the cost of living was super high for what I was getting paid. Um, I was volunteering at the, the ski hills to get a lift pass. So on my day off, I was working anyways. Um, really didn't have as much time to snowboard as I wanted to. Actually, I'm working three jobs at once. It was insane. And like just paying so much in rent. And then it just became, you know, quite obvious that that's a mortgage payment and loved Whistler, decided it wasn't going to be a a short stop. It was going to be, you know, home for a bit and definitely a good investment. And so um, found the cheapest piece of actually, sorry, no, found the cheapest house in the lowest segment price range in all of Whistler for a single family home, Um, went and saw this log cabin. And it was absolutely decrepit. However, it was charming. It was like it had everything you would want in an Alpine home. It was cozy and warm and protective feeling. And so put in an offer right away. And um, it was um, it had just uh, had an offer earlier that day that was accepted. So we were crushed. Uh, It was pretty hard to find anything else in that price range that would pull on your heartstrings. So um, then the idea was, well, why don't we find a piece of land, um, cheapest piece of land we could find and hire a contractor to build us a log cabin. And did exactly that, found a beautiful little um, slope side. It was actually ski out, not um, advertised as such, but you could sort of bushwhack a trail down uh, into the backyard, which was on the side of Whistler Mountain and uh, in a little, street called Brio and uh, the contractor we hired to make a long story short ended up being a shyster and we lost a ton of money and uh, didn't really know what to do Uh, the main the lead carpenter on the project was local the contractor was not Um, and he said you know look at uh, what you guys are doing for for work and you're making next to nothing my ex at the time was uh, teaching snowboarding um, to what later became junior Olympians, but um, and I was working at a, at a newspaper, making minimum wage, and paying this carpenter, you know, basically double what either of us are making. So he's like, "Why don't you guys quit your jobs and you know put on a tool belt and we'll finish this together. We'll do this." And so we did, and that was the beginning of everything. I started, you know, boots on the grounds with a hammer in my hands learned basically everything there is to do except for you know the licensed parts like uh, electrical I would only do the finishing fixtures and um, heating and ventilation didn't touch any of that Um, what else drywall that was one thing we gave away uh, although I have done drywall since Um, but every single thing on that house and subsequent houses um, my hands were a part of so that was that's how I got started in real estate and even still, that investment was, um, it still went well. I think it took, oh my God, almost two years. And it went over budget still. 
However, we learned so much. Um, and with that, we decided to go and do it again, put the house up for sale, buy a piece of land and build from scratch. And it was just the two of us the next time. And so we had hardly any overhead. Um, you know, we really were getting to understand materials and where to resource them and how to, you know, quote things in bulk and, you know, nickel and dime everything basically and built a house in Pemberton. And it was, uh, it was a great success. And then from there, just kind of kept snowballing it into um, many years in, in Whistler and Pemberton and then 12 years in Muskoka. I like how we just let our breeze over that it, that the contractor said quit your job, and so they did. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah. there's there's got to be a little more consideration to it than that. Like let's let's talk about. It's very interesting, and I mean, of course, you guys were at the beginning of your careers, so probably a little bit easier to say, "Hey, I'm sure I can get a minimum wage at a job at a paper somewhere if I need to." Go <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But how does that process look to you guys? Did you, did you both quit your jobs? He did first. Yeah. <coughs> There's a, sorry, just inhaled some water. He was doing snowboarding. So there was an off season, of course. Whistler was really, it only, when this is going back to 1994, 95, Whistler didn't have three seasons or four seasons like it does now. So it made sense for him to quit his. He started and was loving it really loving it. I was feeling a little under challenged um, where I was. And yeah, it, it just it made sense. It really did like hiring anybody um, in a, a trade position, they made, you know, at least twice as much if not more than what I was making. So you built this into a business, right? Like you took it, you built the first house, you learned from it, you built the second house without the carpenter. Um, exactly. <clears throat> And then the third and fourth were we started subcontracting parts out and slowly removing ourselves from being on site. But that was that wasn't many years in the process. I stayed on site until. Oh, God, I don't know, like probably the 10th house. I don't know. <clears throat> OK, that's what I was just going to say. And how many are we talking about? And these are all in Whistler, 10 houses. Um, no, Whistler, Whistler was only we probably did five four or five in Whistler um, and then moving to Muskoka um, and in Whistler, there were renovations too. Um, and then Muskoka. Um, uh, I honestly don't know how many, maybe 10, 15. And these are, they're large homes, really large homes. Like one of them took almost two years to build and it's probably worth oh God, I don't know, like 12 million now. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Not little cabins anymore. These are hockey players buying them. Most likely. Uh, yeah, there were, we didn't have any hockey players as our, our clients, but um, they're definitely kind of the, the famous people up there with, you know, Goldie Hawn and a few others. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, the, talk about some challenges because we like to hear, you know, obviously that sounds so smooth. It just sounds great. Like everyone should do that. You oh, know? God. Right? It, it, you know what? You really see what you're made of. You got to have a lot of grit to do that um, because challenges are every single day in construction. It's really a matter of problem solving. And you just have to look at it like that and expect that nothing is going to go exactly as planned. And there's always going to be uh, discovery and a change and, and um, I don't know, something. 
So, um, yeah, I, I mean, what are the biggest challenges? Uh, reliable help. That's going to be, and, you know, that's here in Costa Rica, too. It's got to be the, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And so finding people that didn't just fall into construction, but actually chose to get into construction and have pride in what they do, that's, that's tough. Um, and then having, um, you know, that reliability and that commitment, um, you know, it took many years that we had to become vertically integrated, like literally everything under the sun we controlled. Um, the only things that we would, you know, sub out were, oh, we even got into cabinet making in the end too. Like everything was custom. It just ended up being that way because we could control it. And we had good guys and we were investing in them and they were learning with us. So we kind of grew, grew the team together. And uh, that's kind of the biggest challenge I have here. I've, I'm on my fifth construction crew right now. And this project is uh, right now, we're in six months. And um, I gotta say this, the latest uh, group we have in there, amazing. But like for, if, if I were to give you a tour, you'd be like, what happened in six months? How could, how could you go through five crews <laughs> and accomplish <Yeah>. so little? <laughs> in, we are gonna get into that, but I don't wanna jump to it right yet. Yeah, okay, okay. I do wanna, so, yeah. So challenges, your team, that's your biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. You've gotta have a good team, like anything. So basically, my cat's just, just haunting you right now. <laughs> it looks like it looks like my cat. Is it a Bengal? It is. You have a Bengal yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. awesome! She sometimes shows up here uh, during these. Uh, if I'm recording from home, which I am today, but uh, anyways, nobody wants to learn about our cats. I don't think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, maybe they do. I don't know. We have Bengal cats. Bengals are kind of cool. Oh, they're like a dog and a cat. It's a yeah. This one, I watch this one. This one swims in their pool. Yeah, they like water. Unique. That's unique. They do like water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a funny story about that. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna it's not the best. Okay. Well, my cat fell in the pool yesterday. I'll just do a quick, quick story on that. First time she's ever been <laughs> in like water. We just opened our pool for the first time, like ever. We never had a pool here, and she was like, "What is this?" And she fell in. <laughs> a new um, playground. Yeah, it was interesting. They're curious, yeah. Uh, Did <clears throat> so didn't like it. Wasn't drawn to it. Well, she's liked water in the past, like running water, but yeah. like not being it. submerged in the water. Yeah, right? that was a new thing for her. That was a new thing. Well, a little bit at a time. Yeah. yeah. I've tried the same with mine. I'll carry them out, and as soon as I get anywhere close, it's just like claws <laughs> in me. But I was like, I want my cats to swim too. <laughs> the bangles are a little are good for that they there's just they're they're like dogs oh we take him out on the boat he loves it he's right on the bow just like mesmerized just looking in the water things just hoping nice. he doesn't jump off yeah okay so you're still running this business from here and we're going to talk about why you decided to move to costa rica all that kind of stuff in a minute but you you're still running your 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 um building business in Canada? Well, I'm still building, um, but the Hirschlog home business is still Muskoka. My ex is running that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it started in Whistler, moved to Muskoka and, and there it remains. And those, those homes you're building for clients, right? Not, or was it some of them for yourself in between? Um, there was some, yeah. Um, definitely built, uh, I'm going to say I lived in only two, Three houses of all the houses we built. Probably should have 
uh, maybe monopolized on that principal residence tax-free sales a little more, but, but didn't really No. What's the, what's the, if you were, if someone's hearing, you know, a bit of your story here and going like, that's, that's what, what my dream would be to do a bit like log homes is a very cool kind of fun sounding thing to do. Uh, especially, you know, you say luxury multi-million dollar homes and everything. It sounds really appealing. What it would be like one of the main two, one or two things that you would tell someone to make sure they have in place or to maybe, um, be cautious around like what are the you With said the challenges yeah, wow. said the challenges are your, your team of course anything oh, in, the, yeah. in the construction side that they oh, would be yeah absolutely there's to... nothing normal about a log home the way that it shrinks the logs don't they they shrink this way so your wall is actually coming down which means everything attached to it is coming down which doesn't really sound like much you think oh well the house just gets shorter it's not just that it, it does sound like a lot i mean i don't think your anyone... stairs would yeah. be um, sliding. You have to make sure the stairs can slide forward. Otherwise, when the house comes down, everything's going to be off pitch. Uh, your plumbing has to have slip joints in it. Otherwise, your plumbing will all crack. Your windows and doors, when they get installed, have to have a, a space at the top. You have to also know and be able to anticipate how much shrinkage you're going to get. How green are the logs? What species are you using? Um, and then you leave a space and you have to trim all that up so it doesn't you know, look ugly. And then any vertical post does not shrink. So a log home is comprised of all the horizontal perimeter logs, but then all the vertical posts. So those have to be cut short with a thing called a screw jack that's underneath. So now you've got this floating log on a little metal post that has like a, a bolt around basically and then you take a giant wrench and you just kind of lower your house every once in a while and you can hear it when you do that so you have to go around and lower all of your posts and you can hear creak 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 and if you don't do that daylight will come between all of your logs oh that is so funny i was gonna say Obviously. yeah teach mm -hmm. us all how to build a log home right now and you just there did. you go <laughs> Right. Yeah. Those are, those are the hardest parts. There's probably, you know, a good other 20 little things, but those yeah. are major structural integral components that you yeah, really like that. have to know. Yeah. That's very interesting. And, and so much different than, you know, the mm -hmm. most builders, anything that they would have to look out for. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You wouldn't even think of it. Most people don't. <coughs> we what's think the, what's the, like, what would be a key, one key to making money in that side of business? If someone wanted to, Build, start a business like that what's what, what what what's something maybe um like is there money in that in that side of things or and how can you in the it okay there's two ways to go it, it's either luxury high-end or machine-made mass production so you can't do the 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 round hand hewn hand draw knife um you know the 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 custom style you know using cedar like western red cedar and you know hand sanding and staining it like furniture um there's no money in that unless you're in the luxury world makes sense yeah or so, like the other the other way is using a different species and then putting it through machines and doing kind of like lego logs that interlock nothing hand hewn and so is that why i mean muskoka is you know for canadians at least screams a bit of luxury there is that is that how you end up in muskoka is that kind of it fit the maybe what you your lifestyle but also the the model of the business you know it, it was it was both the market in whistler for how slow we were building because we were so hands-on the market just 
escalated beyond what we could continue to afford to do. Like by the time we sold a house, we were almost priced out of the market. We couldn't find land that was affordable when we put our margins in there, even with us being hands-on, like the value was all on the land and it was going up like this and it's surrounded by provincial parks. So you can't, the boundary of, of Whistler wasn't expand. excuse me, the water still, they, it doesn't expand. So you're really just, um, we saw like almost like the, the end coming basically, you know, there are very few lots, there were bidding wars on them. Um, we put in an offer that was, I think it was like $50,000 over asking price the morning that it was listed and we were outbid and we're like, okay, <laughs> so in the towel, we were already out of our comfort range. Couldn't afford that, um, but we were gonna make it work somehow. And um, at that point in time, we weren't getting hired to build. We were just building and selling, building and selling, building and selling. So Muskoka, although um, it was really obviously quite appealing to, you know, um, a balance of Whistler, you've got the ski life, you've got the lakeside life, you know, you've got seasonal um, playgrounds. But uh, for, for business, it made sense. There's just so much land. It's a whole different market. And Muskoka isn't just the, the three lakes, you know, Lake Muskoka that you were by with Gravenhurst and Lake Joe and Lake Rosso. It's the entire area. Like you'd never run out almost. So, and to be honest, um, there wasn't anyone doing anything like what we were doing, these high-end log homes. It wasn't prevalent. In fact, we were told we were nuts. We bought a piece of land that was a cliff on Lake Joe, on North Lake Joe. And this is going back to the year 2000. 2000? 2001. 2000. And, you know, the realtors thought we were off our rocker, quote unquote, we were told. Um, because first of all, it was a cliff property way up on Lake Joe. There were no homes up there, like hardly any. Um, and it was a log home and everyone's like, that's, you know, that's not the style here. Everyone wants this sort of, you know, Borden Batten or the sort of seaside, um, style, this, this, you know, generic style. And so they thought, um, that would never sell. We started, um, built a huge, quite a, a huge house. Um, for us, it was the biggest by far, but we wanted to rebrand ourselves because we were only building smaller chalets in Whistler and really wanted to make a statement. You know, you only have one chance to make a first impression. So we went out of the gate, guns a blazing, built this, it's almost like a castle. It had a big turret, uh, copper top on top of the turret. It had like lightning protection along the house because it was up on this very grandiose big sprawling decks and staircases uh, 99 stone steps down to the water and a tram that went from the Muskoka room down to the boathouse um, and we were uh, we put it for sale well before it was done like the roof wasn't even on um, because we could see we were running out of money <laughs> again we were building a new team in a new area, finding all new resources for things. Things were more expensive than we thought. Um, and, you know, anyways, th those were the challenges again. And um, we had our first showing, um, a fella we spied. We were watching to see this guy. He shows up in a minivan with a Diet Coke in his hand and, and flip-flops. And he kind of shuffled around the property. I'm like, what? Oh, this guy's not going to buy the Westwood. That was the name of the house. I was like, anyways. And so we were just like, ah, whatever. Okay. And then uh, he put in an offer. Um, I think it was 
pretty close to full price. It was a record um, to sell at that price point in Muskoka. We set the record and it took many years before anyone beat that sale price. And that was 4.9, I think it was um, back then, which was huge. Um, and, and he bought it before like any of the finishing was even in. So that was that was what really catapulted um, the business there in Muskoka that uh, set a new set a new level, a new a new bar, I guess, for for luxury homes. And it put log homes in the mix, which previously really wasn't a thing. So that was a huge risk, but it worked. Hmm. Very interesting. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, I found out later, I'm like, so we were talking to the guy because we ended up doing some custom, you know, things for him in the end as we got to know them well. And I'm like, yeah, so we totally judged you. I can't believe it. He's like, yeah, I brought, I figured so. That's why I brought the nanny's minivan. And, you know, like he did it on purpose. He played um, himself down so he could get a better price. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Okay. You knew, you knew what he was doing. Absolutely. All right. And let's I learned get into never this. to judge. Yeah. You're not in okay. Canada anymore. You're in Costa Rica. Explain how that happens, how that comes about and what you're doing here. All right. Well, I've been coming to Costa Rica for probably 20 years um, down further south, an area called Nassara. Love, love Costa Rica, but didn't really explore much of it. Um, how it came to be. Uh, is, I'm really going to thank Trudeau, to be honest. Uh, political changes in Canada had me looking to see, um, you know, what's going on else in the world? What else is, you know, is everyone going down this path? Are things getting weird? Is there anywhere that's safe? Um, what does personal security look like? You know, like security of, of food, of, of water, of, um, you know, of, of your, your home and your real estate, um, you know, not worrying about like uh, inflation and, um of, of everything basically. Um, and looking to a place that had uh, good medical, good, um, we have children, so good educational system um, and abundancy. So I, we actually had a list of places that we were considering. Uh, Portugal was up there. Um, you know, Thailand was even there, but that, that came off the list pretty quickly and Costa Rica. Um, so we decided to come and check it out for a little bit and tour uh, the coast. The Pacific coast was basically the only parameter I had. So all I knew is, okay, Costa Rica is a possibility. And if it's gonna be Costa Rica, it's gonna be somewhere along the Pacific coast. So somehow ended up when we first arrived here in Potrero, Surfside actually, we had a friend here and um, another friend who had recently been here and said, oh, you should stay at this place called Les Belula Lounge. And um, so we told our friend about the place. He's like, oh yeah, it's, I think it's up for sale actually. Um, and so we went and um, checked it out. And uh, this is this place here now. And it was, um, you know, it was, it was great bones, amazing promise, good potential, everything. Um, but I mean, we had just arrived, wanted to go tour. And so we hit the coast, traveled for over a month. I'm going to say almost two months up and down, um, even a little bit inland, not too far, like driving distance to the beach always. Um, but uh, to be honest, we thought that trip would narrow down where we wanted to settle. 
we, we were in love with Costa Rica by this point and it was happening and um, couldn't narrow it down. The more we traveled and explored, the more we fell in love with. It was really, really hard. So you almost can't go wrong in Costa Rica. <laughs> However, ended up, so we went all the way down south and came all the way back up. And um, the rainy season down there killed us. It was so much rain. I think it was record setting, actually. We had 78 inches in, in October. And, and that's in the Uvita area. And that was just, it was unbearable. Like if you opened up, you know, some tortilla chips, uh, like a small bag even, they would be soggy before you were even finished eating them. It was brutal. Nothing would dry out. Everything was getting moldy. Um, yeah, I, you know, it was great for my hair. It felt nice and curly and my skin looked fabulous, but everything else was a challenge. And so we ended up back up here and the rainy season up here was amazing actually I loved it it was so doable you know yeah it rained at like four o'clock or whatever every day but you would have your whole day you'd be out and just keep an eye on the sky and you're like okay I better start making my way back the temperature was mild the humidity was tolerable like nothing like you know the south so then we narrowed it down to at least this area and then reconsidered Le Lula Lounge and um you know right right place at the right time I think for us and love this place it's actually not just the property that we love here we love that we're in a community we're not just you know um you know a house on a hill with a beautiful view which i mean is amazing but we have neighbors like you know getting to know rob um getting to know every we know so many people here and within like a five minute walk i think there's what is it um 800 and something homes in this in this just this neighborhood in surfside so it's, it's pretty cool. And we're like a hop skip to the water here. So we've got the best of both, in my opinion. It's a good place to, to raise a family and to have that sort of utopia. You know, you've got your, your neighborhood and you go to the local school and then you've got all, like they hang out at the beach. Everyone ritually watches the sunset and mm -hmm. gets to see each other and socialize. Great. Well, again, like we weren't necessarily looking for somewhere to move until we came here. Oh. Um, like we were, we were weeks in Hako, weeks in Coco, uh, a couple of other different places. And I wasn't looking at real estate. It was more just, okay, it's nice here. It's good to get away. We need to get away right now. And, uh, and then we came here and it was, I mean, I don't know, I haven't been everywhere, but totally different from all those other areas because of all those things that you just mentioned. And the community here is absolutely amazing. Um, to be so honest, we weren't actually looking to buy yet either. We were just going to rent and settle in, you know, an area that we liked and try it on for, you know, a few months, even six months, you know, see what was going to happen in Canada, how crazy things were going to get or see how much we loved it or hated it here. I wasn't really going to jump right in but uh, a lot like Whistler it's really expensive to rent here and it's really expensive to live here so again there's you know potential you know throwing money out in rent or putting it into something that's going to appreciate it's kind of how we got into real estate here now well again and you guys are transforming this place over here um, it, it was it was nice to begin with but I think you guys are maximizing the potential that it has. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing here. Absolutely. 
So from a real estate perspective, this property consists of six uh, residential lots and um, the adjacent um, properties were undeveloped and one of them um, was for sale. So we had some creative <sighs> problem solving and challenges trying to coordinate the purchase of the ones that were adjacent touching this property. So the two completely um, next to it and then the two next to that, which is one was for sale. And so we, we slowly fandangoed that. That was such a triumph to be able to get all four properties. Um, so now we have um, 10 here and can expand um, to just for scaling reasons. Um, when you have the, the kind of overhead, like I have no experience in hotel or restaurant um, management or ownership, um, but I'm learning fast. And there's a threshold when you have, you have to have a certain number of staff and in order then to feed that number of staff, you have to have a certain number of rooms to make it profitable or a restaurant that, you know, turns over a certain number of tables. So um, the restaurant is our phase one priority right now. We're going to get that open soon. <laughs> I'm not going to put a date to it because every time I do, I get disappointed when I've blown the date. It's um, coming but, up. I mean, you guys have got your menu almost dialed in. We came over um, a week ago or something like that and tried yeah. some of the food you guys are going to have. It was amazing. Yep. Well, that, was, yeah. that was fun. Yeah, we had a little tasting experimental menu that night. It was amazing. Um, yeah, so we're, we're close. I'm going to say, like, realistically, we could open in probably two weeks and just do Friday, Saturdays uh, and soft open and just sort of open it up to the neighborhood at this point, not do any heavy marketing. Um, and then once we get that completely open and dialed, and then I can reassess, you know, the financial situation, then we can expand and add more rooms to try to many, tip the scales. So how many rooms do you have right now? Uh, there's uh, behind me, you can see there's a little Tico house. That's a three bedroom. And then uh, you can't quite see, but beyond the foliage there, there's three safari tents, these um, pretty hardcore African, South Africa, actually, they're from um, legit safari tents. They're decadent. They're so beautiful with bathrooms in them. And um, then there's uh, four ranchos. So we're at 10 and then the three bedroom house. So we're going to add rooms onto the house and the um, I, I can't get rid of it. Even though it's valuable real estate where those tents are, they're just so charming. I don't think I'm going to do anything there. Maybe I'll add two casitas beside the, the Tico house and then move on to the next property with the development afterwards. Very cool. A lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's phased. Yeah. So restaurant first, more rooms second, and we'll be waiting for permits and everything next door for quite some time, but we've got a stellar architectural firm and I'm really going to just let myself slow down and enjoy the process. So that's phase three. And you're really, you, she's really sinking into the uh, Costa Rica life. The other day, I was like, I'm literally right across the street. So I just look out my window and I see them bringing a horse in. <laughs> no. Yeah, we got a horse. <laughs> like you're in the Wild West here. You really are. And like, it'd be crazy not to embrace that. Like, you just got to feed your soul. This place has so much to offer. And some advice I got when we first uh, moved here is that a lot of people don't make it. They 
either, um, you know, if it's a couple, one of the two just doesn't find their way, they don't like it for whatever reason, or, or one of the children or whatever. Um, and they said, you know why they think that is, is because um, they don't remember the reasons they came here and they try to recreate their life from where they're from instead of adapting to the life here. You know, my manager even reconfirmed that. He's like, you got to take the chip out of your head that tells you how you think things should be and put in the chip that tells you how things are. And then you'll be able to, you know, function better and not get so frustrated. And, you know, like I feel sometimes defeated i'm like how could this have taken so long and cost so much how is it possible but i mean it's costa rica mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. yeah. that makes sense that's a that's a that's a that's interesting uh insight i think that makes total sense that people would want to set up you know their their comfort zone kind of right and it's it's you got to kind of establish a different comfort zone and get well you get come here and there there is like some luxury here and there is all, like the beach and all the fun and the restaurants and everything like that but once you start to live here and you realize like you've got to know where to get things it's uh -huh. not just it's not like you're used to right you need to ask hey where do i get this and someone will tell you well you know sneak down two miles down the road here and you'll find a little shack and you can get that there, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. So when, when the amenities aren't as easily accessible as people think they are, and I've heard that the threshold, what I've heard is that it's two years and that most people mm -hmm. say, all right, I think I've had enough. I enjoyed that. Now, now I'm out. So. Huh. I think um, I'd be the same in many, many similar sort of destinations, right. That are not uh, like quote unquote home, like as, as Canada would be, for example. Um, but Rob, you've got what three? Are you not? You're at least mm -hmm. two years. Uh, I'm I'm two years, two and a bit. So how are you feeling? So you made it. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't no, imagine no, wanting to leave. To be honest, no. I still check my head in the morning. I'm like, I look at Dan and I'm like, Are we going to get tired of this? Do you think? Is this gonna? Is this? Is this a novelty that's going to wear off? Or like, is it going to change? Is it going to get worse? Like, I, I'm still in disbelief. Like, like you yeah, said, of course. Like, how cool is that? Know. Right. Yeah. Are those opportunities so, like that you've kind of found for yourself there? And like, it sounds like a really interesting project in lots of ways, lots of different moving pieces, but are there, are there, are those in abundance there? Similar sort of scenario, like not exactly that, but absolutely. opportunities of similar sort of nature. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of, um, I think it's a, you know, you have to have cash in pocket when you come here. So this is why I think this happens because you can't get a mortgage here if you're not a resident. That's just not possible. So everyone here buys with cash unless they have a personal creditor or something or an investor. Um, and then you're like, okay, well, I can just, you know, it's almost a lateral move from Canada to come here financially because um, the prices are, the, the real estate here is phenomenal. Um, you know, wish I'd bought sooner is the only thing I can say, but it's, there's still like, there's still demand. It's still things are selling. It's crazy um, as everything seems to be slowing elsewhere. But anyway, so when you look at, OK, so I can make that lateral moves, you know, just spend all the money on one home and then there I am. Or I can invest in something that makes money. And at the end of the day, I'm like, well, if this even just breaks even and I get to live this lifestyle and have this sort of experience, you know, learning a hotel business and restaurant slash lounge business, um, and, you know, we want to do a food market and have chickens on the property next door um, while we're waiting to develop it. And like, how, how cool is that? I can raise chickens, have my own eggs, 
eat the chickens, sell the chickens, you know, whatever. Like it's, you know, um, that, that's, that's a business. So I think a lot of people opt to buy something where they can build casitas, rent them out and offset. Um, that's another thing as a, as a non-resident, which takes time to get residency, you also cannot work. So you, well, I mean, it depends how, how you're financially set up, but to have an income that at least facilitates your lifestyle seems like a, a, a winning choice. So there are, are a lot of small um, hotels, like boutique hotels, I would say. And there are a lot for sale right now too. I, and they're underused, right? Like the property itself is definitely underused and a lot of them I've seen. But what I just happens? wanted to, yeah, go ahead. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say what I, I've noticed a common theme is, is that when people buy, they buy at the top of their price range. And then the maintenance here is something people don't anticipate. So all of these hotel opportunities that you see, they're so run down. Um, and that those are infrastructural issues. Like I, I am just now going forward aesthetically because everything we had to do to resurrect this place. Um, I won't get into all the, the gruesome details, but it was pretty nasty. Um, you know, it looked good at a glance for sure, but it needed a lot of work. So that's the common thing. I think people, yeah, sure, they make enough to um, sustain their lifestyle. But when things go wrong and break, it's it's ongoing. <laughs> it's a never ending um, maintenance um, schedule. So that's that's something that I would definitely advise people to do is buy well under their um, their budget. Mm hmm. I mean, that's a similar that's a similar lesson in almost any piece of real estate probably just enhanced there right true uh, enough i mean yeah. I, I was talking about i that mean look what happened to everybody who bought you know in canada let's say two years ago right look where they are now so um mm -hmm. being smart thinking about those things ahead of time is always good but i did want to i did want to mention one thing and that is that we do have some financing options here now for non-residents ah, we can we can lovely. do we can do up to 70% LTV and the uh, interest rates, not, not amazing. It's between nine and 10%. Um, and it's amortized over 15 years. So it's not, it's not a bad option. I've seen some other ones. There are a few others that I, that I know of, but that's the, that one is the best. Uh, yeah. that option. It's that option. So that's, yeah. that's the start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So that actually, um, if you were to take a, a business model off of that for somebody coming here, then you would look for, um, you know, a, a house that you could add casitas on um, to, you know, sort of subsidize to bring in an income, maybe put mm -hmm. yourself at a, at a, well, you know, whatever price point would allow you to actually put 150,000 cash of your own, because I don't think your residency um, dollar value counts if it's a loan, does it? Is that still considered a personal investment? I believe so, but I wouldn't want to take my word 100% for it. It's the it's the purchase price and how you allocate the ownership of the of the. So, like for example, my wife right. and I had to shift shares in the corporation in order for me to have met that. And at the time we bought it was 200. So. Okay. You know, um, and, and and we had we had some uh, owner financing on our place, so it didn't matter the actual cash amount down. It only mattered the purchase price. The ownership, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, yeah. So for residency, what you're talking about is you can get residency for uh, investment here of 150 grand now. Yeah, US. US. Right. Of course, yes. We got to remind everybody. Seven hundred thousand Canadian dollars. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. That's not. That's like 100, 150 compared to some other options out there that I've seen. That's yeah, absolutely. The lower end for yeah. sure. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, they're it's really difficult to find something for that price, but you can. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If that's the goal. Um, okay. Lastly, t- give us a little bit about what motivates you. What gives you your drive or your inspiration every mm. every morning? That security that I told you about the the reason why we you know opt and move. That's a, it's a big deal to you know to have set roots and lives. And you know my children um, had only ever lived in one house. Yes, we had like we spoke a house and and then another house in Muskoka, but they had a house in Burlington, that's the same house they were born and raised in. They had that security. So to uproot and leave a new country, it had to really have all of those things. And I remind myself every day, what's important here? It's it's really having, like I was saying about the food market, instead of growing all our own food, which we're actually doing a lot of anyways, that's mostly fruit, but having direct lines to farmers, knowing where your food comes from, and that also includes meats. Um, so knowing your cattle farmer, knowing like the meat that we're going to be selling is all, you know, non-GMO genetics and it's, it's vaccine free and it is um, hormone free, um, no antibiotics, you know, all of that and free range grass fed all the way through its life. Like knowing that and having that trust and security and having these direct supply lines um, for food and water um, we're right now looking into building a water purification system. Um, you know, we've got great water out of the tap, but um, will we always, I don't know, we get enough rain. Why don't we, you know, learn how to do rainwater harvesting? Um, this is super doable. And if we're going to be wanting to irrigate year rounds, which, um, you know, in an area like we're in here, this is almost like Arizona in, in some respect. It's, it's, what's it called tropical dry jungle or something like that it's uh it's it's a little bit different it is dry like we've had no rain since september it's crazy so i mean to be able to feel comfortable irrigating all day i i'd love to have a system that i know i can um can either drink or use for, for irrigation that's not um, municipal water so that security really really drives me um all my choices are guided by that making sure that we we have that and not getting caught up in just the real estate which you know i tend yeah. tend to do i kind of put my head down and just <sighs> turn into sort of type a workaholic and then realize what my head up and say hey what did i miss um i don't want to miss that that's that's why i'm here and it's important to me and i and i noticed you guys are really focusing a lot on that just the 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 whole I mean, the restaurant, the theme of the restaurant is basically all natural, but bringing in a lot of um, uh, traditional, I guess, feel as well. So uh, I wouldn't use the word necessarily traditional. I would go ancestral, go a little deeper even. Um, We're working with a woman from Nicoya um, who, I don't know if you know, Nicoya is the blue zone here in Costa Rica, one of seven in the world where I think to, to classify as a blue zone, I think something like 50% of the population of the area needs to live healthy and active lifestyles over 100 years old. That's substantial. 
So what are they doing? How are they cooking? What kind of grains are they using? And how like these, so we have these heirloom grains now um, and different plants. Whenever she comes, she brings different things. We plant them around here and she's teaching us from scratch how to make um, what will be the base of some of our recipes. We're not gonna follow through with the traditional finish of these things, but we're gonna use them as the foundation. So it's along the lines of let food be thy medicine and, and medicine is food. Um, so that is a huge theme. Thank you for reminding me, Rob, um, for the restaurant. And we're actually not calling it a restaurant, we're calling it a lounge. So it's really designed to be a, a little getaway where you can, you know, swing on a swing or, you know, um, lounge on a sofa while eating, you know, tasting size portions and having some like excellent Prosecco. So curating all of these, um, lifestyle oriented things um but keeping at the forefront that it's it's good for you even the cocktails will be medicinal um we're, we're meeting with the, the Malek, maleku maleku tribe uh one of the oldest indigenous um tribes around here and uh, they're giving us a three-hour plant medicine tour so that we can um, some extrapolate some knowledge and grow some of the herbs that they show us and depending on how they taste work them into the recipes including the cocktails very cool yeah yeah that's awesome mm -hmm. um wow uh, like and there's so much more to talk about I, we would love to have you back on at another mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. Maybe once I'd yeah. love to talk more and tell you more about that. Is once that it's running, maybe once it's, once it's, once it's been going a bit and you have some, I'm sure some, some lessons that you're going to learn pretty fast. Uh, oh, God, yeah. We're cool. learning so and much. So fast. Development, like they're in the, they're in the middle of the development right over here of adding, I don't know how we're adding some rooms right over there. You know, right now they're, I mean, maybe we can put some pictures in or something like that into the, uh, into the, um, the show. You notes. want do you want website. me to do a little walk around? Well, it doesn't work for the audio. Most people listen oh. to the audio. Okay. I, <clears throat> but, uh, but I mean, after we're done recording, you quickly show Sandy or whatever. But yeah, I just wanted sure. to say they've like just th the way they've changed this since what it was and just used the, the, like made better use of what was here and, and the additions that they're doing are incredible. So it's really cool. Oh, and I want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, my pleasure. I look forward to you. Uh, doing this again that'll be great and uh how can people get in touch with you i'm sure people are going to want to know where is this because i want to come and visit i'm sure yeah <laughs> yeah um the easiest way i would say is um lebelulalounge.com and the email there will, will make it to me um or i can post um my own personal email or or phone number. I've got a Costa Rica phone number now. I don't actually remember what it is, but <laughs> I, I can post that as well. We can put it in the show notes. All there right. And that, uh, just for just um, for the people who are listening, I'm going to spell it out. It's L I B E L U L A, Libelula Lounge. It means dragonfly in Spanish. Dragonfly. Yeah. Yep. Um, Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, Sandy at freedomreps.com. McKayRealtyNetwork.com, either one. Or find me on social media. Pretty easy to find. And people can reach me at Rob at MrBreakthrough.ca. Thanks for listening, watching, everybody. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. 
We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. And we hope you've been inspired to take control and live life on your terms. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See you next time. Thank you.